Hello and welcome to uh, All Back to Bowie's show number 10. Uh, this show is called A God Awful Small Affair Exploring Tory Scotland. Um, this was a, a really good fun show, I think. Um, we had a fantastic uh, musical performance from Stuart Braithwaite of Mogwai. The performance that he's done of uh, Heroes at the end of this podcast, it just blew me away. It was beautiful. There's also a particularly good poem from Jenny Lindsay. Really, really stand out. And I think the audience, you can see, sense the audience enjoying that too. But I hope also a good discussion. It was a little bit chaotic because Ewan Morrison was supposed to be our polemicist um, and he uh, uh, arrived late. So Peter Arnott stood in and did the polemic off the cuff. But then Ewan joined us on the platform. So that's a bit weird. If you're listening, you probably wonder what's going on. But that's Ewan joins us halfway through on the platform and uh, he then takes part in the discussion. I think it's a fascinating area to talk about and uh, I hope it's interesting. I think it's challenging a little bit for, for YES supporters, but also interesting uh, to think about uh, as we think about an independent Scotland um, or life after a no vote. So sit back and enjoy All Back to Bowie's. Hello everyone. Oh, it's on now. Uh, good afternoon. Welcome to All Back to Bowie's. I'm wearing the ceremonial um, Bowie fedora, which will become useful later on, as you will see. Um, the, the idea for this came about uh, last March, when um, David Bowie sent a delegation to the Brit Awards to ask us to sing. So we took him at his word. So here we are, back at Bowie's house. Um, and it's, uh, this is actually the, his, his rooftop yurt. Uh, on his Manhattan penthouse. So I'd like you to get yourself into the vibe that the traffic outside you can hear is really Fifth Avenue. Just, just enjoy that. And we have a packed program um, today. Um, we have a, 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 we do, a, a couple of things to do every time, which we'll, um, we'll do. The first thing is, of course, is, is the, the, the absolutely vital question, the vital referendum question, um, which we want you all to address very seriously. Um, and it's the question is, do you agree that David Bowie pronounces his name Bowie? Um, so if, so basically what I would like to, I mean, keep a running total of this, for, which we will be archiving for the, among other things, for the National Library of Scotland. <laughs> Honestly, the rubbish we're putting in there. Um, but we will also be soliciting your, uh, some, your more cre creative sponsors from you uh, in a second. But can we start with this vital question? So could that, and I will do a, a very quick head count, and I'm hoping there's nobody here from the Electoral Commission because we're in real trouble, if there is. Um, so uh, can I just, uh, can, can I solicit, everyone who thinks it's pronounced Bowie, could you please raise your hands? Let's call it 37, 38! <laughs> yes, and uh, for, for Bowie? Uh, oh yes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, twenty-two. Twenty-two. Interestingly, the Tories are in the all. Although they're in the majority, they're in the minority. I think on this particular question, I think they're right. 
Oh, I'm, well, no, 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 we, we did, there was, there was an option, uh, there was an option for that on the table, but we decided, but, we, but, that, that, got, but, but that was vetoed, I'm afraid. That was, that was the, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the Davy Max option. And I'm afraid that was, uh, <coughs> that was taken off the table. Uh, the other vital thing we have to do uh, is, and, and this, the, this is just, just to think about in the course of the, in the course of the day, because it's a, we're limited for time and and and, um, and we only have the you know we're low tech you know we have one technician who fixes the guitar and then turns this on so you know hey so we're low tech we don't really have the facilities for audience um, discussion so we're, instead of which can I ask you to think about um, completing a sentence for me now this is this is to be done on any piece of paper you happen to have around with you. This is, the, this is the magical reason for the fedora, because later in the show I will be collecting your responses and, and to, to, to completing the sentence. And uh, we have a number of excellent ones. We've had the, the Scottish establishment is, Scotland is, Britain is, and on, the, on the, that formula of simplicity, um, and we've had some, you know, the, the creation of, of collectively made poems on this. It's been really quite exciting. And this is all the International Library of Scotland, so if you have ticket stubs, if you have Whatever you want to write it on, it's all going in the hat, and also in Barry's guest book later on. Um, but uh, but uh, basically, Tory, uh, Tory Scotland is dot 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 dot. And well, however you want to complete that sentence, however you want to complete the historical cycle of that sentence, is entirely up to you. Um, my name is David Gregg. Uh, I'm co-hosting today. Um, <clears throat> we uh, we normally have a provocation at this point, a short, thoughtful piece, uh, maybe something challenging, maybe something that uh, pushes us in a different direction. Today, the theme is um, uh, exploring Tory Scotland, and we had to give every theme a Bowie title, so we thought, a god-awful small affair, exploring Tory Scotland which was a bit cheeky, I think, and apologies if any toys are in. But um, <clears throat> we actually had you and Morrison down uh, to do the provocation, but I think Edinburgh traffic appears to have got the better of him. Looking at Scotland, you'd think the Tories had almost vanished, but I think the truer picture is that they're, they're, they're laying in wait, in a sense, for the, for the left-wing aspects of the independence movement to, to burn themselves out. One of, the, one of the things we've seen over the last 10 years is a swelling of the ranks of, of the independence campaign by people on the left. And although the leaders of the SNP like to put forward the notion that they are uh, you know, market-friendly, that they're for, for uh, lowering corporation tax, etc., uh, they've swung very, very far to the left indeed and have a lot of support from... Uh, from groups within the left uh, who we would not have normally associated with with independence. If you look at the what constituted the independence vote back in the 70s, uh, you would find that that uh, that people on the hard left uh, and uh, other minority groups were were actually against independence. Whereas just now, I think we see a flocking of of uh, greens. Anarchists, uh, Occupy movement people, uh, zero growthers, anti-globalisation protesters. So you, you see the idea of Scotland as a, a new country, a, a fresh slate, as, as a good idea. Uh, almost utopian left-wing groups, and also including some of the nasties, the old nasties like uh, uh, 
the SSP and the Trotskyists, they're getting behind independence and they're actually pushing the public face of independence further and further to the left. It's not uncommon to hear expressions on on, uh, Twitter or Facebook which go along the lines of let's make Scotland a better, fairer, more equal society and a beacon to the world. And this is uh, really flying back to a kind of 1970s notion of, of socialism in one country. In many ways, we're seeing a kind of a nostalgia for the politics of the 1970s, a, a really strong socialism which is against capitalism in general, which doesn't really acknowledge the existence of an interconnected, globalised world out there uh, which runs along neoliberal lines. So it's actually doing a fair bit of damage to the Yes campaign because it's, uh, it's, it's scaring off those people who've always been afraid of these, these, these factions of the extreme left. And let's, you know, let's just take stock of what we're actually hearing coming from that group. We're hearing about things like, like basic universal income. That's money given to everyone, whether you work or not. Uh, wealth redistribution is a common expression. Punitive taxation for corporations is another. Some, some talk about full employment uh, and some people talk about a, a post-growth economy in Scotland, um, and, you know, living within our means, um, while others talk about a capping of wages. When you put all these progressive causes together, it becomes this impossible um, shopping list for the Yes campaign and for independence. It's something that no modern country in the globalised world could actually deliver upon. Furthermore, this vast shopping list of progressive causes for the new blank slate Scotland would, uh, would require an incredibly powerful and large state to enact it. It's not as if the Scottish state isn't strong and, and, uh, and strongly socialist in the first place. Uh, currently, about 9 out of 10 Scots take more away from the state in terms of uh, funding than they put back in. There's only about 12% uh, pay in more taxes than they receive in public services. And, and you have about 30% of the population who work in the public sector, as opposed to about 20% in England. So we're hugely dependent on the state in Scotland as it is. And as uh, Ruth Davidson of the Tory party is very often saying, um, it's these socialist state-controlled councils that, which have been unable to do anything about the things they complain about most, which is uh, systemic poverty, intergenerational poverty, long-term unemployment, drug addiction, violence, illness, all of these so-called social problems have only been fed by, by more, more welfare, more social planning. And in fact, the way to solve these problems is not actually by being more reliant on the state at all. In fact, you see philosophers, social theorists of the left around the world, people like uh, Roberto Unger, you know, who claim redistributive social democracy is defunct and what the left needs is a replacement for Marxism. So one of the problems is that we tend to see... Uh, independence when it's being pushed to the left in this way as being um, as, as being more dependence, not independence at all. And a really strong Scottish independence pushed by the left leads us towards greater state dependence and thinking only of our independence in terms of what the state can do for us. So we're swapping our dependence on the large British state for our dependence on a, on a vastly grown Scottish state. 
I argue that the true independence really comes um, from shaking off the shackles of the state. Uh, and I argue that we've been too far pushed down the left line by left pressure groups operating within the S campaign. Arguably, you know, they've even been derailing uh, what the project of the independence campaign could be. I think there's time still for us to think about uh, what what a free market independence would look like. This is a, just a more realistic and mature way of looking at the way the world really works. So let's not paint these pie-in-the-sky utopias of a, a better, fairer society that's an example to the world, a new Scotland, a new republic that will show the world how to be more ethically pure. I think we should throw all of that disproven, you know, historically failed left-wing idealism out of the window and just uh, focus on making Scotland a wealthier place. I think an adage from one of the most powerful Tories of all time is is useful here. You can't make the poor richer by making the rich poorer. That was Winston Churchill. Also, we should uh, we should recall that when Mrs. Thatcher came to power after ten dreadful years of uh, economic stagnation in the 1970s caused by the Labour Party. Corporation tax was uh, 80%. And Thatcher also had some words of wisdom for us, believe it or not, even though we despise her in Scotland. Um, She was uh, arguing with the Labour Party and and, uh, she said, your idea of equality is based on making everyone equally poor. That's certainly something I don't want to see for Scotland. So instead, I'm going to ask um, uh, my colleague Peter Arnott to deliver the short provocation on Tory Scotland. Peter. Thank you. It's slightly off the cuff, but it's easy for me because it's where I came from. Um, in a sense, uh, I think there's there a, few, a few paradoxes I would like to offer to the panel. Um, first of all, uh, I've never heard more anti-English sentiment than from the Tories government. I've never heard more uh, virulent uh, questioning of English people's capacity to run the empire without us uh, than from Tories government. Uh, I've heard that's, that, that's, that, that's uh, uh, anti-English sentiment was something I grew up with at the same time as unionism. That's a paradox, I think, in Tories government. I think another paradox, perhaps worth exploring, um, uh, unless anecdotal, is that if, if the, the powers that be in Scotland don't want independence, I believe because they feel they already have it. Um, that they feel they already have independence. That they get to run the country, they get to be the bankers, they get to be the lawyers, they get to be the landowners. They, and without any interference from London, because London's basically not interested most of the time unless we're complaining about something. Um, and without a democratic interference by the people of Scotland. So in a sense, there's no reason. The, the reason I think conservatives think feel there is no reason for independence is they think they already are independent. So that's just uh, again an off, just an off the cuff kind of notion. Um, but lastly, and rather more positively, and uh, hopefully in, in the spirit of, of, of friendship, because it is a friendship in the end, the, there is a seamless garment of Scottish identity, with, and it's unimaginable without Tories government. It's unimaginable to have our identity without our military history, without uh, the patterns of land use, without uh, the rich cultural heritage from Walter Scott onwards, 
Without all of that, there is, I believe, no Scotland. And Scotland is, although it, it's, there's, there's, it's notoriously, the, the Conservatives are, they're, less, they're a, lot, a lot less absent than um, liberal opinion in Scotland would like to think in terms of electoral gap. I'm sure it's a point that will be, will be made. But in a way, there's that a strand of who we are, I think, is, well, that's my family. That's, you know, that, and that's part of who I am as well. It's part of, so therefore, I don't believe that we can do without them. And I'm very, very glad that they've, um, they and you and everyone has come here uh, hopefully in a, in a rather more generous spirit than I've just demonstrated when I was being off the cuff. But thank you very much anyway, and thank you, David. Thank you very much. Um, could we have a hand just moving the mics and stuff, and we'll get this set up. So, fantastic. So, while we're getting set up, um, thank you, Peter. So, I think the provocation there is twofold. I think the provocation is to those those of us who see themselves maybe on the left, to ask themselves the question, how much actually um, is the conservative in tradition in Scotland part of our identity? And to those of us who might be conservatives, I suppose the, ch the challenge and provocation there is, um, how do you respond to independence when, in a sense, it's the conservative tradition that's done so much to preserve the independence of institutions like the church um, oops, the church, the law, um, and, a, uh, and medicine and so forth in Scotland. Okay, so, uh, um, fantastic, I think we're ready to go. Uh, so, to discuss this, we really have a fantastic uh, panel. So I'd like you to welcome to the stage, please, first of all, Alex Massey of The Spectator. Um, uh, David Torrance uh, of, uh, of the Herald uh, newspaper. And um, Lindsay McIntosh, who is the political, uh, chief political correspondent of the Times in Scotland. Um, I suppose we should make it clear that simply by having you on this panel doesn't mean we're necessarily implying that you are or are not Tories. Um, I think we should operate a don't ask, don't tell policy. Um, but I suppose that leads me maybe to my sort of uh, first question, um, which is, uh, do you think there's a difference between the Conservative tradition or between being Tory or the Conservative Party in Scotland and in England or in Britain more broadly? Do you think there's any salient differences? Perhaps, Alex, would it be worth starting with you on that? Okay, we'll start with David then. I, I think there is. Um, I've actually been doing a lot of research on the old Scottish Unionist Party, which was the Conservative brand in Scotland between 1912 and 1965. And they were an intensely Scottish party. Indeed, I'm, I'm trying to develop the argument that they were actually nationalists, sort of nationalist unionism or unionist nationalism. They deployed Scottish uh, traditions, Scottish imagery, uh, a bit of sort of, low, as Peter touched upon, low-level anti-Englishness. Uh, you know, there was certainly a sense of Scottish superiority. And, and more crucially, as a party, they championed devolution. Not legislative devolution, but administrative devolution. And they really did more than any other party in the 20th century to, to encourage the idea that Scotland was a distinctive political unit within the UK, had specific Scottish problems, 
and needed specific Scottish institutions and Scottish policies to combat them. Just tell us a little bit more about the Scottish Unionist Party then. In what way is that, how, how is it related to what we call today the Conservative Party? Well, it, it was the Conservative Party. I mean, they, they had Unionist MPs took the Tory whip at Westminster. It was like a sister party, a bit like the CSU in, in Bavaria in, in Germany. You know, they had a different organisation and a different name, but they, they sat with the Conservatives. And, and why did they change the name? Uh, can, the, the word conservative in the context of 1912 is considered a vote. In the context of 1912? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, in, fact, in fact, there are great parallels between the century ago right. and now in terms of how the conservatives live in Scotland. So, so none of these things are new. No. And they ditched that and went with the unionist tag. And unionist, of course, referred to, to Great Britain and Ireland. It, it didn't refer to England and no. Scotland. Um, and they were actually the most successful political party Scotland had in the, the modern uh, democratic age. Uh, they won several elections. Famously, they got a majority of seats and votes in 1955. But between the wars and for quite a period after that, they, they were incredibly successful. Alex, do you, I mean, you're, you're writing for a newspaper, um, for, for a magazine, Spectator, which is obviously London-based and, and, and has an audience, I, am, I often imagine, of sort of, you know, the, the, the metropolitan... Uh, thinking classes, but actually I'm wondering if you sort of travelling back and forth, reporting to them from the wild and crazy highlands, do you do you, are you, do you notice differences um, are you, you know, are you a sort of foreign reporter if you like, or, or do you see yourself as, do you see yourself well, well, as Well, when I go to the highlands, yes, I obviously consider myself a foreigner, um, you know, because I'm a lowlander, um, the borders um, and, you know, Argyll is a very strange place to me um, as with regard to the spectator, it's, it's difficult to answer your question because um, we don't, I don't really talk to them. Uh, uh, and they make no um, demands or, or, or impositions on me whatsoever. Um, but I mean, the spectator is, is obviously is a, a unionist paper. Um, its editor, of course, is a Scotsman. Well, that's um, what I was just wondering. Yeah, uh, Fraser Nelson it's, from it's Nairn, I think. Yeah, and its publisher is a good Paisley boy, Andrew Neil. Um, so, you know, there is, if you like, um, uh, I mean, the Spectator is yet another example of, um, of the sort of reverse takeover, if you like, that is uh, uh, Scots in, in London, Scots in Britain in general. Um, uh, so, would you say there's an example there? I mean, it, and it's not really a metropolitan paper either. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, it's really, um, uh, it's high Tory and um, rural, really. But okay, is there, is there a sort of thought there where you, when you look at those three people, yourself and Fraser Nelson and Andrew Neil, is there something in there about about the conservative view of the union being it's a chance to get on, it's a chance to... Yeah, I mean, I think, that, I think that's true. Um, I mean, the, the union affords a breadth of opportunity, a bigger, uh, a bigger canvas, a bigger stage, if you like. Um, you know, there is nothing wrong with um, uh, having a play on at the Travis Theatre in Edinburgh, obviously, for instance, um, but, uh, but it's very good to have the opportunity to transfer to London too, if you like, you know, in terms of obviously familiar to you, um, you know, a bigger audience. Could be more um, familiar. But yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, and, and in that sense, I think what, what Peter said earlier actually is true, that there is um, a streak of unionist thinking, particularly conservative unionist thinking in Scotland, that does see independence as being unnecessary, um, because uh, it's a view of Scotland and Scottishness that is, if you like, intensely relaxed about these right, things, right. that sees... Um, no contradiction 
between being Scottish and uh, and being part of the British state, um, and and doesn't feel threatened, if you like, or diminished by that. Um, whereas there's, there's obviously a, a streak of nationalism in, in Scotland which does see these things under assault um, or threatened. Um, you know, the, the Great British Bake Off is part of a unionist conspiracy to uh, thwart Scottish aspirations and uh, diminish Scottish culture and identity. Um, I kid you not. Um, uh, and, and so, yeah, you know, that, that independence is unnecessary because we're quite free to do what we want anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to come back to that, but um, uh, Lindsay, perhaps could I ask you about just the situation right now? You observe the, the you're in, the, in, in, in Holyrood Parliament, you're observing the party. Uh, is there a difference between the Conservative Party in Scotland, the Conservative Party in England, or more broadly in the rest of the UK, and are there tensions as a result of, of that? I think that um, what we've seen with the Scottish Party since we came and took over is a bit um, of a, a rebranding of it. You know, she didn't go so far as to literally rebrand the party. What she's done is she's brought it to younger people, she's brought a lot of energy to it, um, and she's brought in some quite interesting new policies as well. Um, but I think she has the freedom to do that from camera. I don't think there's a tension there. Um, I think there's a, a difference in, in coexistence than there was before. You, you get less of a sense than they're being dictated to uh, by Westminster than they did in the past. Um, and I actually think that the, uh, the independence debate is providing a really good opportunity for the Tories to um, come centre stage. And they have uh, you know, a sort of clear, um, a clear argument on devolution on why they think it works, and also on, on the union, you know, what Alex was saying earlier, why they believe in the union. And it's actually been a lot easier for them to make those arguments than it has for Labour, I felt, that Labour have given back food, uh, ironically, a lot more than the Tories have been. The Tories are enjoying themselves at the moment, um, yeah. for the first time in, in 30 years in Scotland, and um, uh, I mean, they also quite like being on the winning side for once. Uh, okay, so that's interesting. I'm, I'm just curious. I want to just tease out a little bit. There's a there's there's two two thoughts come to mind here, and the first is this question of the um, the uh, the Tories enjoying themselves and being centre stage, because I've definitely noticed that, and I I think there's been a very interesting thing for those of us um, who've been involved in the Yes campaign. I've definitely found that the most coherent arguments and the people most willing to put them, I mean to turn up as yourselves, at the events which may not necessarily be, you know, uh, uh, intrinsically friendly towards the, 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 the unionist point of view, have in fact tended to come from the Conservative Party rather than from the Labour Party. Why do you think that is? Well, because there's a considerable benefit to be had for not being a representative or spokesman of the Scottish Labour Party. Um, right. uh, you know, that, that's the sort of thing that hobbles you from the beginning, I think. Uh, David, do you want to comment on that? Because you observe you observe all the parties as you go around. Uh, have you noticed this this sense of a sort of rising optimism amongst... Uh, yeah, well, if defending the union isn't going to enthuse Tories in Scotland and the grassroots, then it's difficult to think what, what will. And there is a, a definite uh, enthusiasm there, and they were very surprised when, when Ruth launched the service of Friends of the Union and asked for donations. I mean, I, I think they expected to get some, but suddenly they were, they were inundated with, with quite a lot of money from, from people who hadn't been active before. And that, that indicated that there was grassroots enthusiasm. And yeah, I think a combination of 
defending the union, which is, is, has got them going for the first time, as Alex says, in 30 years, combined with, as Lindsay says, a coherent uh, agenda when it comes to devolution, and they've been completely incoherent un until a few years ago on that point. There's a feeling, I think, in the Scottish Tory party that finally things are, are coming together and creating circumstances where they could do well. And there is, there is you know, modest evidence from, from council by-elections, the European elections, that their, their vote is going up, it's holding up and actually increasing. Modestly, of course, you know, you can't get carried away on that. So, uh, just to tease this out a little bit more, Lindsay, the, the, we know that Murdo Fraser has made a proposal for a separate Scottish party. So, is it conceivable that, that you could see a situation in Scotland where the party that's most pro-union behaves in, a, in an uncharacteristically devolutionist and separatist way, it, and yet then benefits. I mean, I guess, what, what do you think the prospects are for an independent Scottish, uh, cons I'm sorry, a Scottish Conservative Party, which is consciously separate from the, the other, uh, the rump UK party? In the event of Um, I think what happened with Murdo's proposal um, when he uh, stood against through things and um, he obviously lost that um, and there was a lot of, of infighting afterwards but I think that has now calmed down and, and even though there are different views within the party, they're all united behind Ruth. So I don't see um, a direct independent breakaway party from, from the rest of the UK. Um, but what we've seen from the Scottish Tory party with their Strathclyde Commission proposals is full devolution of income tax. So they're really talking about beefing up devolution at the Scottish Parliament. If there's no vote, if Cameron gets it in 2015, if that's delivered, what you see is a lot more power um, at the Scottish Parliament and, and the Tories will be able to take credit for, for delivering that. And I just on referencing my earlier point about the Scottish Unionist Party, the way the party is behaving now, I would argue, is entirely consistent with the, the party's heritage and history, which was always uh, preached as much autonomy as possible within the Union and distinctive Scottish solutions to Scottish problems. In fact, the, the party in 1947, I think, published a, a pamphlet called Scottish Control of Scottish Affairs, you know, which could almost have been issued by the, the Scottish National Party yeah. at the time. Just to um, introduce, uh, please welcome uh, Ewan Morrison, uh, our, our missing polemicist. Um, Ewan's a novelist, uh, and Ewan has recently come out. Uh, uh, Ewan, I could end the sentence there. Ewan, Ewan, Ewan has recently revealed himself as a yes supporter, but from a surprising angle and perhaps a challenging angle again for those of us who perhaps would assume that the yes side was universally um, uh, you know, in support of the common wheel and so on. Uh, because Ewan wrote an article for Bell and Cal Bella Caledonia exploring the possibilities of an entrepreneurial independent Scotland and the idea of yes as a kind of release of what we might call the inner uh, uh, Scottish Tory or entrepreneurial psyche. So do you want to just give us a brief um, uh, outline of what you said in the article? and? Uh, and whether you think after independence Scotland would would actually sort of revive its um, centre right? Yeah, uh, thanks, David. Sorry for being late. I was. Um, what I'll do is I'll just just to pick up. I've, I've thought a little bit more about the subject since the Villa Caledonia piece, but um, essentially my thesis is that a lot of the rhetoric around the yes vote has been sort of hijacked by the left, or rather 
it's it's overtly left friendly, and a lot of it is rhetoric that we haven't heard uh, since 1978. Um, a lot of the stuff that we're hearing from people like the Common Wheel, the policies that they're putting out are absolutely, uh, you know, pre-Thatcherite uh, Fourth International Socialist policies. You know, whether these people are aware of this or not, and there's a problem with young people on the left is that they're not conversant with the entire history of the left. This is, uh, as a former Trotskyist, um, I take issue with, with, with young people expounding ideas and not realizing the communist and socialist roots of what they're actually talking about. Not actually understanding that a lot of these things have been tried before. Massive corporation tax, wealth redistribution. Now, um, a phrase I hear again and again and again on Twitter among yes is um, let's have a fairer, better Scotland. Let's be an example to the world. And I just think about the convolutions that we've been through in the whole postmodern debate after the collapse of socialism proper. And the idea that we all, I thought, were pretty much settled on in the 80s, which was that you could have no island of socialism in a world of neoliberalism. You could not just do what you wanted and make a fairer country, remote from everybody else. So I think that what's happened in Scotland is we've been asleep since the last referendum. And we've been kept that way by Labour and by the Tories. The Tories who don't want to rock the boat, so keep throwing money at Scotland. Uh, and Labour who throw money at Scotland just to keep people left and to keep people dependent. But we've not caught up yet with the neoliberal world that's around us. So I think, I, I'm not particularly interested in the old Tory party at all, but I think we need almost to start a, a new neoliberal party in Scotland, or a realist party that looks at the way that the world actually functions. Um, it certainly, the, 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 the Yes movement as a broad church is demonstrated, I think, by here. Uh, by what you're saying there, because it would certainly... No, I mean, I, I, I think it's very interesting, because there's actually nothing in principle in the idea of independence that says it should be left-wing or right-wing, but nevertheless, we so rarely hear that, that, that argument. But I wonder if I could get a response. Um, what do you think, uh, Lindsay, the future of... Um, what do you think, after a yes vote, the possibilities would be for um, the kind of political alignments in Scotland, and I suppose with particular... Yeah, just g generally, how do you think they would fall? I think there's definitely got to be a massive opportunity for some kind of centre-right party to, to um, rise up after a yes vote. I mean, if you look at... Um, I, th I think there's a real myth about how like Scotland is, to be honest. Um, I think if you look at a lot of polling evidence, it shows that the difference between uh, English voters and Scottish voters on issues which are typically Tory policies you know, attitudes on welfare, attitudes on immigration, attitudes on the EU, nuclear weapons and so on, were not actually that different. Um, what, what I think the problem up here is that it's very difficult to say that we're going to Tory. Um, I think people would be more likely to vote for some kind of centre-back party under a different name. And I think in the event of a yes vote, there would, there would be a huge gap in the market for that. And, and the, the, the laughter was at the phrase "gap in the market," which yeah. is a very yeah. is, is absolutely appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I'm, you know, then you're taking up um, what Ewan was saying there, and I remember hearing um, George Galloway speaking in uh, Glasgow um, uh, late last year, and uh, and one of the arguments he had for preserving the union 
was that he doubted whether Scotland had the courage and the conviction, perhaps even the indefatigability, uh, to to be a Cuba or an Albania, um, which um, I, I must say struck me uh, as being quite reassuring. Um, uh, uh, but plainly, yes, uh, after independence, or even actually beforehand, um, uh, under status quo, so the natural division in Scottish politics, uh, if, you, if you divide it in basically two camps, and so on, is a Tory SNP alliance versus a Labour Liberal Democrat alliance. That is the natural um, division in Scottish, in Scottish politics. Um, it just suits everybody quite well to pretend that it isn't, uh, because you then essentially... Um, but you know, you could suddenly envisage a situation after the next Holyrood election where um, this is presuming a no vote, uh, the the SNP lose seats but remain the largest party and would be essentially propped up on a supply and confidence basis by the Conservative Party, or at least on on a number of on an issue by issue basis. I don't think there, there wouldn't be a, a formal coalition or anything, but. Um, but one can see, imagine circumstances in which that would be the case. David, do you want to just come in on that? Yeah, I think an obvious point that needs to be made is that one of the, the difficulties that the Scottish Tories have had, especially in the last few years, is that the, the SNP has stolen a lot of their territory, at least in economic terms. It's quite interesting to go back to uh, Alex Salmon's first great claim to fame, which was interrupting Nigel Lawson's 1988 budget. And he interrupted at the point that Lawson announced he was cutting corporation tax and cutting the operator income tax, uh, which uh, Salmon was outraged at because, of course, he was a socialist. Uh, now, of course, Alex Salmon wants to cut corporation tax and, and is quite happy keeping levels of income tax low. And it is one of these unnoticed phenomena, and it's weird it's been unnoticed because it's been pretty major, that the independence project is now conceived along sort of small t Thatcherite lines. It's conceived along entrepreneurial, low corporation tax, business friendly, bank friendly basis. And that's not how independence was seen in the 1980s. And so, and so given that the SNP have occupied that space of preaching quite convincingly, and Alex Salmon talks a good game on this, very difficult for the Conservatives to compete in that respect. I, I sense, you know, you, you, well, you look at the electoral map as well. Where are the SNP's heartlands? You know, Aberdeenshire and Highland Perthshire. These are not hotbeds of radical socialism. Uh, you know, yeah, um, I, you know, there's a reason why the Tartan Tory jibe uh, originated. I sense, I sense the, the clenching of many uh, uh, yes camp buttocks as the, as the, as the Tartan Tory jive is, is repeated. But no, I mean, I think, I think it's a very interesting point. And, and actually, it's one, to be fair, that is often made on the yes side, is that actually, that actually the, 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 the project of independence has to be, uh, that they would argue the same thing, the project from, for, for independence has to be preserved from, um, from that uh, agenda, and that that's why the, the, the widening outcomes. We're just coming to the close here. So... <clears throat> just wanted to uh, ask uh, a sort of qu quick question, I guess, looking forward. So maybe we'll begin with uh, Ewan and, and get everyone in in this. What do you think, what do you think the future is for, um, for Tory Scotland? Um, I think I'll, I'll not go first on that one. Okay, fine. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, uh, well, David, David, would you be? Able, do you think you could have a, a, a punt at that thought? Yeah, What's the I, future I, for Tory Scotland? I think, as I said earlier, there's modest evidence of, of a revival in terms of votes. The party is much more uh, confident. Uh, the, the difficulties that Ruth, had, Ruth Davidson had initially, the party was not united behind her. I think they now are. So, yeah, I think 
there's a good opportunity there. It's a bigger opportunity with a no vote than a yes vote. But it just apropos of nothing, I just want to throw in my favourite statistic, uh, which I'll never tire of quoting. Uh, in, in votes, in, in the 1979 general election in Scotland, uh, the Conservatives, led by Margaret Thatcher, got 916,000 votes, 155. That was nearly a million votes in 1979. In 2011, when Alex, Salmon, Alex Salmon's SNP won a landslide majority, they got 902,000 votes, 950. So I just think that puts things in context about, you know, Tory Scotland. Of course, turnout was a, a yeah. lot lower in, in 2011. But the fact remains, in 1979, nearly a million Scots yeah. voted for the Conservatives. I'm not saying they'll get back to that. Yeah. Alex? Uh, well, just to follow up on what David was saying there, you know, it's true, obviously, that the Conservative Party is not the force it once was in Scottish politics, but in other, you know, it is still, there are still many more Conservatives out there than people uh, in the Scottish blethering classes uh, tend to uh, admit. You know, in any other circumstances, or if you said that uh, you know, the combined population of Aberdeen and Dundee would be considered quite a serious number, well, that's roughly the uh, number of, of Scots who voted Tory in the 2011 Holyrood election. Um, and so it is not actually a trivial section of the, of the, of the um, electorate. Um, I think the, 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 the future for the Conservatives is actually quite bright, um, regardless actually of the constitutional uh, vote uh, next month, the result next month. And so on. As Lindsay said, you know, actually Conservative policies, the, the Tory party has a, poli has a problem uh, winning uh, support for it as a party, it doesn't actually have a problem winning support for its policies. Uh, welfare reform, despite what uh, people like Robin McAlpine and others will have you believe and so on, is actually supported in broad terms by about 80% of Scots. 70% um, of Scots favour uh, a more restrictive line on immigration. Uh, a full third of Scots favour leaving the European Union. Now, these may all be inconvenient policies, you may disagree with them, you may think that people are revolting um, to think this way. Uh, nevertheless, this is what people actually think. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the opportunities for a Conservative Party are, are obviously quite good, I think, uh, yeah. looking in the future, you know, because they can't get any lower. Just, you know? just, uh, just to take, uh, okay, well, we'll check, we'll get a chance to check that old stuff, uh, to have those discussions later. I felt the ghost of Jimmy Reed just uh, circling the year uh, there at the end, but um, Ewan, would you like to come? What do you think the future is? Well, I think the future is largely dependent on what the outcome of the referendum is, at least for the next decade anyway. And I would say that that um, if it's a no vote, uh, there's going to be a sort of mass internal critique of what went wrong, and I think the left is going to come in for a lot of flack uh, on that. You know, there are a lot of people who are guest voters who feel the left has been too strong, too discouraging to to um, your average shopkeeper even, anyone who's managing their own businesses. Uh, well, the Labour parties, yeah, sorry. Um, sorry, sorry. Uh, and, uh, and if there's a yes vote, I go to an essay that Alex wrote quite recently which said, you know, give Scotland 10 years of uh, economic stagnation under leftist policies and we'll start voting right again. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's give the boy the knife, and uh, you know he'll learn. He'll learn through cutting himself. Uh, Lindsay, uh, would you like to? <laughs> uh, just to say, by the way, everyone, this is a good point to remind you that the um, the way of uh, because we because we do, we don't have question answers because we have these short panels and we want to hear from what the people have to say. But remember, you've got your sentences. Tory Scotland is dot dot dot. 
they'll all be collected in, they all get read out. Um, uh, on the podcast they all get read out, but they also all get read out and written down and, and we'll read some at the end. So that's a good way to channel any, um, any uh, inner sense that you have uh, of, of being science. But, but just to close us off, Lindsay, would you just say, what, what, how do you see as an observer, political observer, the, the future of um, uh, Tory Scotland? comeback in its electoral fortunes, as, as David says, it's making brief gains um, in by-elections. Uh, and I think there are two main reasons for that. It's gone through a period of catharsis, it's got rid of its sort of inner cringe, and it's, it's now sort of proud of what it stands for. And also note that the number of references to Margaret Thatcher throughout this debate has been, I think, one. And I think a lot of Scots issues, Tory Party, date back to Mrs Thatcher, as we're moving you know, away from that period, they, they can uh, distinguish themselves from that and, and start to see the boost in the Thanks very much. Um, yesterday we had just yesterday we had Jim Sillers in the yurt, um, and a, he had a trope. He kept apologising because he was talking about he was talking about the uh, he said, "I'm very sorry if anyone here is middle class, but there's a working class majority in Scotland." And I, I kept thinking, well, I kept thinking. He said, "I'm very sorry if anyone here is middle class." I kept thinking, "You're in a yurt, Jim. <laughs> You're in a yurt in, the Ed- in Edinburgh." <laughs> In the Edinburgh Festival, it's almost certainly uh, middle class people. But he was really good. But uh, so, the, so also, just in terms of explaining about Bowie's, this we've got different guests every day, and you can listen back to Jim on the podcast as well. So he was great. But listen, I thought that was a fantastic panel. Thank you very, very much indeed, David Torrance, Alex Massey, Lindsay McIntosh, and you and Morris. Thank you very, very much. Indeed. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So next we have uh, Jenny. No. Next is the, is Jenny actually beautiful. So yeah. Uh, so thank you very much, panel. Now every day at Bowie's we have um, we have a poet, uh, and today's poet is absolutely fantastic. Uh, she is currently performing with the National Collective Presents, which is on up at the Storytelling Centre every weekend, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at 8, at 9, p- 9 to 10. It's a fantastic lineup of um, spoken word and music. But Jenny, please come and give us a poem. Scotland. Uh, for the purpose of this poem, I'd like you, this n- isn't necessarily better, but I would like you to imagine that I'm about seven years younger than I actually am. The reason for that will uh, become clear. So this isn't about Tories, but it's a little bit about some of the things that maybe weren't talked about there, which were sort of individualism in general, and yes, on the left as well. So this was, I wrote this as a kind of a tongue-in-cheek ode to my generation, uh, trying to sum up the thinking of some of the people uh, on the left. Uh, this is called something or other. I'm a 21st century 20-something or other. I am vague and distorted and I don't give a shit. I am liberal with myself but conservative in general. I'm Thatcher's child. I know that sex is death and happiness is transitory. 
I hang with fantastic cherubs with punchable faces, Cheshire cat smiles and a hard sell in happiness. I pull my boxers up over my low slung jeans to a CK show everyone that even my pants are expensive. I read no logo in Starbucks, drank Starbucks and lectures and the left right dichotomies full of Chomsky hole. I hide my heat under my economist, hide my heart under bravado. I like to think I am true to myself and I repeat this statement often. I fear terrorists and socialists and people who don't like the streets. He's like a modern day Shakespeare, the Guardian told me. I like my brutal and bite size, wide-eyed like the truth's too shocking, but I do like Jon Snow's ties. He's like totally my hero. I'm a human being stuck keeping in a cold, dark space to stay until I crumble under the weight of objective truth, which I don't believe in. Anyway, we make up the world every single day. And mine is a place where spaces are filling, where silence is being almost totally eradicated with traffic hoot speaks and the turning on and off of a billion televisions. I watch E4 and T4, I smirk and I blog, I love you, I hate you, I know nothing about the world, I have a negligible sense of history, that's the feminism's for twats, I don't want no chip time ball breaking man hating image, I want an iPod to salsa and a guilty Big Mac. I live in a world where God is yet to be replaced with something more than transients and happy abortion cards. I'm a solipsist in the circus where expensive personalities come cheap, where you can break into heaven with one swipe of your visa. I get my morals from the pick and mix section at Woolies. Sometimes I'm peanut brittle, sometimes I just fudge. I picked up a DIY cutting kit from French Connection. I think misery is interesting, as is seeing your lunch twice. Everyone I know brandishes guilt as a pit to crawl out of, like a weapon against the comfort we have. Me, I'm guilty of not feeling guilty for not knowing what the Make Poverty History March was actually about. And spending my time counting the pairs of Nike trainers instead and wondering what I would do later that night. Let's face it, the world might have blown up by Wednesday. So anyway, what do you reckon to Alex Massey? Have the attention span of a goldfish are similar and the emotional range of a caravan park and my bowl is stirred with plenty of sugar and cocaine and what was that about? Oh yeah, so the world's gone to shit in a kitty litter tray that set the laser printer to stun and go fuck someone pretty. I'm a 21st century, 20 something or other. I'm labelled and conscripted to do whatever you tell me. I'm an individual. Original. The best target market, I hate this vapid whore of life, I'm so lonely I could scream. I don't know what love is, don't know who my friends are. Sometimes I wish I could believe in things you can't see. Believe in something or other. Believe in other worlds at the back of wardrobes. Believe in bonds and shit. But I'll smash a fist through the mirror before asking what the point is. I'll contemplate combustion when I hit 36. I'm a 21st century, 20-something or other. I'm vague and distorted and I don't give a shit. Thank you. Thanks, Jenny. That was really good. Uh, okay, great. I think now... Um, what we would like to do is to collect in your sentences. So I'm hoping that you've uh, written them or you've thought about them. Uh, I'm sensing from the room I look out, I see a few people worried they haven't done their homework. Um, no, no, you have to write it down, and I'll explain why, actually. I'll tell you what, we'll give you, a, we'll give you just a wee bit more time. We'll, do, we'll have our letter from Singapore, and you can think it through during that. But just to explain, so what we're asking you to do is is complete the sentence, um, complete the sentence, 
uh, Tory Scotland is, dot, dot, dot. Um, and uh, just to explain about the National Library of Scotland got in touch with us um, looking for referendum material because they're keeping an archive on the referendum and what people were thinking and doing. And every day we have sort of between 60, 80, 100 people um, writing their little thoughts on the different subjects. We had Braveheart is dot, dot, dot the other day. Um, and one of the things that's really wonderful is when you look at all the little bits of paper um, and you think about somebody in a hundred years going through the dusty archive wondering what Scots were going on about um, in 2014, the sentence is quite interesting, but actually what's almost more interesting is the receipt it's written on the back of. Um, and, and when the archivist saw the stuff we'd collected, she just, she, her eyes lit up and she went, this is gold! That. So, you're contributing to gold. Uh, so I think a few of them are coming in, so maybe we will be able to do... We'll, we'll, we'll read out a few, and then we'll make sure we have somebody at the door with the, with the Bowie fedora to, um, to collect any further ones. Do you want to come up, Peter, and we'll just read a couple out, and then we'll... Yeah. But if you haven't done one, please do do, even if you're not in the hat yet, we'll collect it at the end. It's really, it's really good. So do you want to just... You pass me so, Tory Scotland is, they create a desert and call it peace. Tory Scotland is 1950, mum and dad. Uh, Tory Scotland is a grave disappointment to me, and that is, that is signed as well. Tory Scotland is as alien to me as the spiders from Mars. Uh, Tory Scotland is more pervasive than it would appear. It's in the beliefs of most of our young adults. They know nothing except individualism and the free market. Uh, Tory, <laughs> Tory Scotland is not completely evil. So that's, that's the kind of, that's the sort of brother reaching out to brother that we would... Oh, on the other hand, Tory Scotland is Scotland's Ebola virus. And should be quarantined. Uh, Tory Scotland is scared! Exclamation mark. Let's see, we'll just do a couple more and see if we can get some. That there's there's a couple of moribunds I saw floating in the water. Let's see, see if we can get some more. There must be some Tories coming today. Tories. Uh, all right. Well, this is our last one because it's quite nice and poetic. But if there were, if there are any Tories in the audience, please get yours in as well. Otherwise, um, the, uh, the the it won't get recorded. But this is quite a nice one. Tory Scotland is like black holes. We know they exist and can't explain their existence. And we're slightly scared of them growing any bigger. So, so that's good. So well done you. Um, now this last thing is a complete experiment. Uh, if we can clear the, um, the screens. Uh, we asked from... Oh, wonderful. Is there... We ask for uh, letters from, and every day at Bowie's we have letters from, we've had letters from various different places, and um, uh, uh, today we have a letter from Singapore, uh, and being from Singapore, our correspondent um, has sent it to us in the form of a PowerPoint presentation. So I'm going to uh, click through the PowerPoint presentation, 
and uh, John is going to give us the music to go with the PowerPoint presentation, uh, which is uh, hopefully an appropriate Bowie song. And whilst that's happening, a Stuart is going to get set up here, I think. Is that, if that's okay? Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely okay. Uh, so, so try to have a look at the video and, and ignore uh, the setting up. And uh, if, you, if Sarah, if you could help Stuart as well. Okay, great. So I uh, will have Golden Years by Bowie and a letter from Singapore. very much. Um, another factoid, Singapore's the only place I've ever been where the tour managers told us to dispose of all chewing gum because if we're found with it we will be put in jail. Apart from that, it's a wonderful place. 
Thanks for coming.
just for one day Oh, we can be heroes Just for one day Thanks everyone for speaking and everything. It's been fine. Cheers. That was amazing. Thanks, Stuart. Everybody, uh, thank you so much for coming today. Tomorrow we have the Sunday session with Cora uh, Bissett hosting. The Sunday session doesn't have a discussion really as part of it. It's all, uh, it's all act. It's all poetry and music. Um, and, uh, and sketches and other stuff. It's really going to be fantastic. Cora's an amazing host. Cora and Peter's show um, about Janis Joplin, uh, which is called Full Tilt, is on Assembly, and it's garnering rave reviews. You won't dis be disappointed if you go along. National Collective are on at the Storytelling Centre. You can read uh, Lindsay McIntosh in The Times, David Torrance in The Herald, Alex Massey in The Spectator, Ewan Morrison has a number of excellent novels on the market, and I'm sure would be able, uh, you, you'll be able to find them in your local bookshop. Um, I think that's all the plugs we need. Hopefully see some of you in the Bowie yurt again. Thanks very much. Uh, come back soon. Okay, so here are the sentences for Tory Scotland. Uh, the, the, the sentences Tory Scotland is. Tory Scotland is an ever-present streak of irritation at the possibility of change. Tory Scotland is out of touch. Tory Scotland is probably coming. Tory Scotland is dead in the water. Tory Scotland is no game. Tory Scotland is history. Tory Scotland is more pervasive than it would appear. It's the beliefs of most young adults. They know nothing except individualism and the free market. Tory Scotland is no more, I hope. Tory Scotland is hiding within the SNP. Tory Scotland is 1950s mum and dad. Tory Scotland is a grave disappointment to me. Tory Scotland is as alien to me as the spiders from Mars. Tory Scotland is bottoming out and not completely Tory Scotland is Scotland's Ebola virus and should be quarantined and stamped out. 
Tory Scotland is scared. Tory Scotland is neoliberalism's quote, they call it a desert and call it peace, closed quote. Uh, Tory Scotland is like black holes. We know they exist, we can't explain their existence, and we're slightly scared of them growing any bigger. Tory Scotland is not for me. Tory Scotland is a country that said goodbye to the Tories round about the time Mick Ronson died 21 years ago and won't be reborn despite the hype. Tory Scotland is a singular affair. Who's going to save my NHS? Tory Scotland is moribund. Tory Scotland is moribund. Tory Scotland is relatively unknown in the US and elsewhere. Tory Scotland is not in my name. Tory Scotland is trying to buy the referendum. Tory Scotland is the worst scenario for the Scottish people. Tory Scotland is probably going to be mean, like my uncle Edmund. Tory Scotland is a threat regardless of the outcome. Tory Scotland is something that represents privilege and elitism beyond my own and most people's experience in working class Scotland. <laughs>